Give a few people a high five before you sit down. Praise the Lord. Great to be here. Why don't we just get these? I think it's the monitors are too loud. It's disturbing me. So just if you could just work on that while we just talk. How many saw one of these in the uh, newsletter? So we need you to just fill in your idea. While, I, while we're just talking in the next couple of minutes, why don't you write down an idea, a name? We've already got some creative names. Why don't you write your name down? I'm going to put them all into a box. I'm going to get the staff to have a look through. We'll pick out the best one. So why don't you just stick your name on, uh, name on there? Have a think creatively. If you can think creatively, if you can't think at all, then uh, just write your own name on there. <laughs> we should be creative, okay? <laughs> a bit of creativity. So we've got Matthew Martin to come down and his uh, friend Kelly come down from, uh, uh, from Hamilton. They're just with us for the weekend. They're youth pastor up in Hamilton. And why don't you stand up? Come on, Matthew, stand up. Just give me a great welcome. Come on, there he is. Praise the Lord. His family used to be with us a long time ago. Praise the Lord. We've got our daughter Sarah down from Auckland, uh, uh, Hamilton, rather. Come on, stand up, Susie. Oh, she is standing up. <laughs> And uh, Ian's come back from America. He's had an awesome time in America. And uh, he's got with him Sam Robinson, who's a uh, great young man of God, come over here to be with us just for a little while. Can't see him now. Was it, where is he? Oh, there you up the front. That's the story. Come on, Sam, stand up. Let's give him a great welcome here. Fantastic. He's going to be here for a few months. Awesome. Great, 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 great. Come on, Ian, come on up. Tell us just something quickly about what happened in America. Had a great time in America. Come on, let's give him a great welcome. You like the t-shirt? Well, that kind of tells you what went on over there. Praise the Lord. Had a most amazing time, visitation of the presence of God. I would say the measure of the anointing that I've been used to has doubled over there. And so it was just glorious to see. We had feathers come in the atmosphere. Just signs and wonders that God needs to be revealing in the earth. Fantastic. Thank you very much for all those who spent the time praying. Mark, where is he? Where are you sitting, Mark? Over there, you want to stand up? I took, um, I took Mark with me. Mark is one of the most fantastic prayers. You want somebody to pray for you, get hold of him. <laughs> Once he gets his little thing inside his mouth, he doesn't let go. Thank you very much. Okay, praise the Lord. Great stuff. Okay, fantastic. Hey, one of you open your Bibles in Mark chapter 11. We'll be doing a series on offenses, and the reason we're doing that is we're wanting to address issues that separate us from one another and issues that stop us uh, obtaining the very best God has for us. And uh, it's part of the New Zealand culture to become offended, withdraw from relationships. And so we've taken quite a bit of time on this area to address this area because it's a major issue. Jesus said in Luke 70 verse 1, offenses must come. So in other words, there are times in our life when everyone is going to be offended. How many know such times? The big thing with Kiwis is we tend not to admit we're offended. So if someone asks you the question directly, you offended? <laughs> We will deny and do everything. But however, I'm going to share with you some things, the un unexpected consequences of harboring offenses. The unexpected consequences of harboring offenses. And I want to just show you some things from Scripture, and I want to show you how you can identify very easily in your life if you're harboring an offense. Even though you may deny it with your head, the heart is desperately wicked. The heart, heart holds offenses, and you cannot, you cannot conceal that offense is being held. It will always come forth 
as a, in various ways in our life. Not only that, I want to share with you also some unexpected spiritual consequences you may not have thought of, but which Jesus taught. This is one of the most powerful parables we're going to have a look at a little later this morning. And Jesus teaches some things which are very important. Let's start in Mark chapter 11, and it's a faith chapter. Jesus talking in verse 22, have the faith of God. You say, what's that got to do with forgiveness? You'll see plenty in a moment. He says, for I say to you, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart that what he says shall come to pass, he shall have what he says. Now, that's a fantastic promise. Jesus is talking there about faith commands or about faith declarations. We're going to need to learn some things about that. But faith commands are where we speak words that are birthed from faith in the Word of God, coming out of revelation, God speaking to us, and we begin to shape the spiritual atmosphere. You can shape the atmosphere over your workplace. You can shape the prophetic atmosphere around your life by the speaking of words. And you and I need to understand that we shape what's around us in the spirit world by the words that we speak or that we don't speak. And so this is why in the church, for example, we have strong declarations about how great God is because we want an atmosphere where God is exalted because in speaking, we alter the spiritual atmosphere. We make room for God to move. So the context that Jesus is talking is in the area of faith commands where you speak to spiritual resistance in your life and command it to be moved. You can speak to things which come against you and command them to be removed and they'll be removed. Spiritual pressure that comes against us, we can command it be removed and it will shift. And so a great part of the Christian life involves the area of faith and knowing how to release God's word into the atmosphere around us. If you have a look at how many times Jesus healed people, he healed it with a faith command. When you do deliverance, you do it with a faith command command. In fact, most of the realm of the Spirit operates by words spoken that release the life of God. It's in this context that Jesus is talking. He talks about unforgiveness. You say, well, what's the connection? Very, very simple. I'll show you. So we understand now faith commands and faith or prophetic decrees are one of the major Bible ways of shaping the spiritual atmosphere over our life, our family, our finances, our workplace. Things you speak will alter the spiritual atmosphere and make room for the Spirit of God and for angels to work. However, Jesus adds a qualifier. How many know a qualifier is a bottom line? It's the fine print. How many ever bought something and then you came back to get a claim on the insurance and found they pointed out the fine print? You thought you were covered and then you found you weren't covered. It's a pain when that happens, isn't it? You got your car insured and then your daughter has a bit of an accident in it. You go and you check it out and they say, did you notice that it says anyone under the age of 25, this doesn't apply to? And you realize then you didn't read the fine print. So this is the fine print under the first bit. So we'll talk about the first bit and share some things about how to release the word of God, release prophetic decrees. Very, very important for us in the coming season. We learn how to shape spiritual atmospheres. But Jesus adds a qualifier to it. Here's what the bottom line is. He said, now, when you stand praying, if you have ought against any, forgive. So your Father in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Now, this instruction 
is repeated in several parts of Scripture. In other words, within the context of being able to have authority in the spirit world to shape and build prophetic atmospheres for God to move, he says, one thing is absolutely essential. You must walk with a clean heart towards people. If you're going to move with authority in the spirit, you can't harbor offenses. He says this, he said, when you stand, in other words, when you're in that place of praying or making decrees or commands, if you've got anything against anyone, forgive them, because if you don't, my Father won't forgive you. Now, we're going to look at the consequences of that in a moment, but the short of it is, very simple, you will not get what you pray for. You will not have any power in the Spirit. You will not be able to prevail against demons. In fact, they will be able to prevail against you. And we'll see why in a moment. Jesus said, if you won't forgive, then neither will you be forgiven. And if you're not forgiven, you have no standing of power in the spirit world to be able to alter spiritual atmospheres. This is why this is so very important. This is why we've taken a lot of time on this issue of offenses. Not because I want to do it for weeks, but because I know it takes time for us to get a hold of truth at the level where it will change our life. In the idea... How many understand or know that at some point in your life or currently in this last few months you've held or harbored or recognized offenses? How many say, yeah, you've been recognizing? This is one of the major strategies the devil uses. He gets you to become offended. Once you become offended, then you're gonna, you will do something as a result of it. And we're going to look at the signs of that, which are very, very easy to spot. Very, very easy to spot. Okay, so God's very, very clear. He won't bless what he hasn't forgiven. So if your sins are unforgiven, if you remain in a, in a state before God where your sins legally are still there, you have no power in the Spirit. And this is a serious matter when we want to do some things in the Spirit. Now let's have a look then at just some personal things or personal factors, some things that you can recognize, some fruit when a person is harboring unforgiven. What would you recognize in a person? The bottom line is very simply, they just can't love. They just can't love. Jesus said, you know you've passed from death to life when you can love. So I'll show you various ways that they can't love but in just a moment. But the bottom line is this. God wants to bring us into a flow where the spirit of love is about our life and we can release the love of God. The power of God is a sign of the love of God. The power of God is a demonstration of his love for people. If we want to move in power, we have to have a heart that's clean. Have to have a heart that's clean. You've got to love people. Oh, I don't want to love them. I don't even like them. You don't have to like them. God wants you to love. To love is a commitment to act in people's best interests. And it can only flow from the heart. The Bible says in Romans 5, the love of God flows out of our heart by the Holy Ghost. So in other words, this is something spiritual. God has put his spirit in you to love people through you. How will the community know God loves them unless you learn how to love people? And so the great practice ground is at home in the family, in the church. Isn't that wonderful? That person beside you that you don't even like, that they annoy you, God wants to teach you how to love them. Okay, Proverbs 18 and verse 19. It says, A brother offended is harder to be won than a walled city, and the contentions are like the walls of a city. A brother offended, Proverbs 18 and 19, is harder to be won than a strong city. Their contention are like bars. So notice what it tells us. It says, A brother offended. That's a person who's harboring an offense. He said he's like a walled-off city. In other words, there are walls around the heart. Now, if there are walls around the heart, you cannot love people. You can put on an act. You can pretend. You can be nice. 
You can be very religious, nice person, but the one thing you can't do is love them because in your heart you're shut off and there's no real expression of love from the heart. It's put on. It's not authentic. It's not genuine because it's not coming out of the heart. The heart is locked up. Once a person's offended, they wall the heart and they're locked in and no love flows out. At least not towards the person they're offended with anyway. And you know what I'm talking about here. The second thing he says, their contentions are like the bars of a castle. So the second thing we find, first there's a wall. Second thing we find is that there are contentions. There are irritations, struggles, and conflicts in relationships. Contention means there's a striving and a struggling to get somewhere. So let's have a look how that works out in a person's life. I want to give you a few symptoms you can recognize. Now you might like to tick some of these off, and maybe the Holy Ghost will actually tell you of someone. Okay, then, why don't we just close your eyes right now? Close your eyes right now. Won't you just open your heart to the Holy Ghost right now? And let's just open ourselves to the Spirit of God. If you're offended with someone, you really do want to know, don't you? Don't you? Sure you want to know. They want to be powerless and impotent in the spirit world. They want to be a powerful Christian. We're building strong people. So I want us just to follow me in this prayer. Lord, I open my heart to you now. I ask that you reveal to me people that I am offended with, that I have shut my heart up against because I'm offended. Lord, I ask you to show who those people are to me and give me grace to let go. Amen. Amen. How many know God will answer that prayer? That's the Holy Ghost work. We're just asking him to do his job. He said, Holy Ghost, do your business. <laughs> so, okay, let's have a look at some signs. I want to give you some recognizable symptoms. Here, yeah, number one, the person's spirit's closed off. Person's spirit is closed up. Person offended, their spirit closes up. They're not open anymore. You ever seen a child whose spirit's closed up? You can see it. Re- you can actually see it on them. If it's a teenager, they go like this. They actually look that way. You can tell they're shut down. And a person whose spirit is closed off. Uh, if the spirit is closed off, you feel like they're not close like you were before. You feel the presence of a wall. Even though they're nice, you are not connecting with them. Their spirit is closed down. And, there's an, there's a resu- and as a result of that, you can tell if a person's spirit's closed off, there will be no gratitude flow out of their heart. There will be no appreciation flow out of their heart. And when the person they're offended with their name is mentioned, they'll go quiet. If they meet them, they'll avoid them or go quiet. Why? Because there's a wall and no love can flow out. If you ask them, are you offended? No. And they try so hard to be nice. But you feel the difference. How many know you can feel when people tolerate you or celebrate you? Can you tell the difference? Yeah, tolerate you. They've got a wall in the heart and they're just being nice and polite for PC's sake. It's the second thing then, which flows out from that is cold love. Cold love. The person is distant, remote, cool. They're not warm and welcoming, they're cool. You meet them, there's a cool reception. It can be very, very cool. It can be icy. How many have been with someone that felt icy? There's a high state of offense there. But there may be a lesser state of offense called cool. And they give you a cool reception. They suddenly surprise, hello, how are you? Oh, hello, good to see you. 
a cool reception. How many have had a cool reception somewhere? I hate cool receptions. I just hate anything that's lukewarm and cold like that. Okay, here's the next thing that you'll find. This is a, so if, if you find someone and their spirit's closed off, they can never speak positively. Interesting, you know. Uh, for example, the most, cl- the most common one you'll find is this. And say, oh, man, did you hear about Benjamin? Man, Benjamin did so well. Man, he's just been promoted and he's just got a pay rise. Well, he's got a new car. And you know what happens? Some people, of course, if their spirits open, they say, yay, great, but Benjamin is fantastic, he's a great guy. But if a person is offended, they go quiet. They can't celebrate when someone else goes ahead. Can't. Because they're offended. Now, they may not be directly offended with him. They're offended, why did he get it and I didn't? I deserved it. Didn't he know I worked harder than him? Didn't he realize that I did a lot more than him? How come that happened to him? Offense. Call it what it is, offense. How many are starting to recognize it now? Got a few offenses? Oh, wait, we get the whole list out. We'll get them all out. Here's the next thing. Third one. Uh, begins to speak negatively about the person they're offended with. They speak negatively. They're critical. In fact, actually, what they are tuned into is their faults. You ever notice you can tune a tuning fork? You get a tuning fork and you sound like it goes at a certain frequency and you get something else that's got the same resonant frequency and immediately it'll start to vibrate that's called resonance and so if you're offended you know what happened you resonate not with the good things in people's life you resonate with the bad things so the moment there's a fault something little it's magnified it's a big deal you notice it and have to point it out you just can't help yourself In the, uh, in, in, in a, in a, had some chickens or chooks or anything like that, and we had someone we're down in Dannyvirk, and one, one of them had a spot. It's interesting when one of them's got a spot. You know what the others all do? That's all they can see is the spot. And they become fascinated with the spot, and they begin to pick on the spot. And in the end, they pick the whole thing to death. That's what people do too. We see something wrong in someone, we become offended by it, and we start to pick. With the mouth, with the words. Okay, so, so, all right, so have you been speaking negatively about someone running them down lately? You're harboring an offense. Here's another one. The next one is a person uh, promotes themselves or justifies themselves. We begin to talk about how good we are. We have to actually put ourselves forward because God isn't going to do it anymore. See, so people start to promote themselves. They start to try to... You know, you'll, you'll be talking and, say, and I might say something about Benjamin. Oh, man, Benjamin's a great guy. And immediately you'll have to run him down and pull yourself up. Offenses in the heart. Understand that? Offenses in the heart. It stops us. We can't rejoice. Not only we can't rejoice in other people's success, we run them down and then we have to try and promote ourselves to make ourselves look better than we really are. Here's another one. Uh, another one is we defile people. We defile people by our offense. Because, you know, here's, what, here's how you defile them. You see, if you're offended with Benjamin, Benjamin, I might be using that, if you're offended with Benjamin, I'll go up to David and I'll say, I'll be fishing. And I'll be fishing for someone else who's offended. Because you realize that offended people hang out together. They find one another like magic. Have you noticed that? The offended people find one another. I might go up to David and say, oh, yeah, we're talking, chat, chat, chat. And Benjamin's, they come, oh, what do you think of Benjamin then? And I'm fishing. 
Fishing for what? Fishing for love? No. Fishing for an offense. I feel anything negative coming up immediately. Oh, well, yeah, well, that's true. You know, and now I've got my story to tell and I'll tell it again and again and again and reinforce the offense until it becomes deep and very bitter in my heart. How many heard that? How many know that? Fishing. Have people fished you? Have they gone fishing for you? What do they hang out as the bait? An offense. They were fishing to see if you were offended. And if you're offended, you'll take the bait. And before you know it, you will both be talking negatively about this person and increasing the defilement of one another. Because not only have you got your own defilement reinforced by speaking it again, now you've also got some more fuel for the fire. He did that, did he? Oh, well, it was shocking. You know, I always knew he was no good. But you know, the Bible says, person who comes first in his own cause seems right. But if you got the other side of the story, you'd find it was quite different. There's always two sides to the story, two sides to the coin, two sides to the story. How many know that? How many of you have had the experience? Someone came to you, you got offended, you picked up the offense. And before you realized that you can't talk to that person anymore. But when they talked and shared their story, you realize, uh uh-oh, There are two sides to that story. I didn't quite get all the right story. Anyone who's dealt with children know that. If you ever deal with a child, child, you know, there's a yell and a crash and something goes on the other room. One comes running in. He hit me. He hit me. Oh, did he? Then you go to the other one and you say, what happened? And they say, oh, well, he hit me. He says, well, what did you do? And then you find there was another side of the story. And then you start to find that it's not as clear as you would think. So offenses have a way of breeding and multiplying like maggots. Ever seen a, ever seen a, and Danny Burke, Danny Burke, got these stories of Danny Burke. We used to get the sheep and hang it up in the garage. You don't have to buy our own sheep and kill our own sheep and stuff and hang it up in the garage. And you used to put it in a Muslim, uh, Muslim bag. <laughs> bag. <laughs> they nearly got it right. And, uh, Muslim bag. And, uh, of course, the big trick is to make sure there are no gaps or holes at the top where you tie it. Because if there's a hole at the top of your tide, guess what? The big blowfly finds its way in. And once the blowfly has found its way, you don't even know it's there. And then you, you go to open the bag up, and then suddenly there's something moving. And then it's not just one thing moving. There's lots of stuff moving. Eh? And the Bible tells us the devil is the lord of the flies. And so what he does is he's looking to lay those kind of eggs in your brain. Come on, think about it. Well, heaps of people I've met and they've got a maggoty brain. You know, they've got stuff going on in there. It's real bad. Need a good drench for the Word of God. Isn't that true? You get the sheep that have got that and you've got to give them a good drench. Got to give them some stuff that cleans them up, kills off all the bugs. And that's what the series is about. Taking the whole church through the drench. <laughs> get us ready so we can experience more of the presence of God and build better relationships. Okay, how many are sort of noticing a few things now? Of course, that person next to you is like this. Here's another way. The person retaliates. The person retaliates. They're looking for a way to get back. Now, there's lots of ways of retaliating. Of course, you could go and just punch the person. That'd be too obvious. That'd be too obvious if you just went straight up. Benjamin, I just don't like you. Poof. That's, you know. Now, that would be too obvious. It never works like that, especially if you're a Christian. Christians have got much more subtle ways. Oh, we have practiced and made it an art. 
while looking pious and religious and turning up and praying and lifting our hands to the Lord and praise the Lord and behind the back, just like knives cutting people apart, scissoring their back. Oh, what was that at my back? It was one of the brothers. Isn't that what happens? You know that's what happens. It's become an art form because we can't be doing the obvious thing. So uh, in marriages, one of the most common ways Silence. Silence. Anything wrong? And there's a silence. Silence drives men crazy. Woman goes silent and says, nothing wrong. It almost sets off a mission now to track down what is wrong. Which now puts her in control and she's getting extracting maximum revenge by driving him crazy. Oh, these are subtle, sophisticated ways that we have of torturing people. But it goes on, doesn't it? So silence, the no-speaks. Teenagers are good at doing a no-speaks. Storm out, shut the door, no-speaks. Then they, don't, they can go no-speaks for weeks. I've been known marriages where they didn't speak for ages. Offense. Horrible. Or they do speak and there's a little undertone in it. It's got a 90% is true, but there's a little 10% that goes, cuts into you. Well, if you'd listened the first time. Or words like, you always. Oh, we have multitudes of sophisticated ways of bashing people with our words. It all comes out of an offended heart and a lack of love. Call it what it is, offense and a lack of love. It says, in the last days, it said, many will become offended and shall hate one another and betray one another. See, just because you don't feel hatred doesn't mean to say it's not operating. You never feel offended. You just act in an offended state, an offended way. And what's missing is the flow of love that you can't celebrate and rejoice and show kindness and praise and encourage. It just isn't there anymore. You know you've passed from death to life when you can love, not when you're neutral. We think being neutral means we've got over the offense. Being neutral means you're still in this offended state. You know you've passed out of the offense when actually well, you can rejoice when you see the person and you can be kind to them and it's genuine. There's no negative feelings there. Then you're out of the offense. Now you're moving out of death and into life. You see, life is where we can actually communicate with people. We can impart something to it. It comes from our spirit. There's life flows from our spirit. But when your spirit is closed up with offense, you may not be antagonistic to them, but you can't nurture them and give them life. Husbands and wives can harbor offenses for years. Then they wonder why there's never any nurture in the marriage. They get to the cage stage, the kids are growing up, and then there's nothing left. Because there was never any nurture. Nurture flows out of a heart that's open, that's not offended. If we're going to build lasting relationships, we have to deal with offenses and learn to work through the, the, the confrontations needed to deal with them and remove them and stay committed to one another. Mostly Kiwis just say nothing and just quietly walk, do their own thing. It's horrendous betrayal of relationship to do that. It's terrible. It's, it's, it's part of something in the national psyche, and we just got to get it out of the church. So we learn how to conduct relationships. God calls us to be a covenant people. That means I won't do anything to hurt you. Not because you don't deserve it, 
You probably do. But it's because I'm a covenant man who walks in a covenant relationship with God and because of that I'm committed to his family. See, the the trouble is we don't see the people next to us as being the family of our father, our brothers and our sisters. We just treat them like they're nobody. But in fact, they're family. They're the family of our father. They pray to the same father. and He watches us and looks how we handle them. In fact, some people never ever really mature into the ministry God called them to because they've never learned how to really love people. So if you ever got promoted into ministry, you'd use your ministry to advance yourself and you'd never really love people. Ministry's got to be birthed and grounded, established, rooted in I'm loved by God and it overflows through me to people. Getting the idea? Okay, here's another thing. Retaliate. So we've got lots of ways of retaliating. Little ways of withholding, being mean. All of those are ways of punishing people. It means because, basically it means this. You owe me and I'm going to make you pay one way or the other. Okay, here's another one. Uh, Another one is easily angered. How easily angered are you? How easily stirred up are you? When someone, something happens, or so, so, suppose I've got a little wee snitchy with Benjamin, just a little wee, they've been hanging around there for a long time, then he does a little wee thing, and now I'm really angry. But you can tell I'm so angry, it could have nothing to do with what he did at that time, I've been sitting on it. And so you find the people that are harboring offenses sitting on anger, and all it takes is a trigger, and they're off. Kick the cat, bang the door, Whatever. So, and the more offenses you carry around that are undealt with, the more likely you are to be triggered off with a fit of anger. That's why murders happen. Afterwards, they say, I don't know what came over me. Oh, simple. You're offended. It became bitterness. It lay like a root in your heart. And all it took was just the trigger and you were gone. That's why people get into, they, they do things. They, get, they just lose it. But it was a long time in building that store, that tank of anger. The Bible says, be careful. You don't be angry with your brother without cause. So being angry is okay to be angry as long as you let it go on the same day and you don't carry it overnight and you don't blow it out on someone and don't internalize it. You just bring it out, let it go to God, and then talk and reconcile with the brother. That's a biblical way of dealing with it. But when you sit on it, then you'll have moods. You'll go up and down. You'll be moody and black and down. Why? Because you've got stuff in you. And as we'll see in a moment, the unexpected spiritual consequences is you have opened the door in the lid of your head to allow demons to come in. In fact, you've even put up a flag, demons welcome here. Please land. <laughs> so, so think, and then finally, the last one is, is a sowing discord. Now what I've noticed is when people are offended, they will hang out with others and there'll be a discord sign. Discord means people become upset and agitated and offenses soon spread. We've got to recognize if a person's coming to you on the fence, we'll show you how to deal with the fence next week. person comes on the fence, start to download about someone, just stop them in their tracks and say, listen, mate, what are you telling me this stuff for? You're all messed up inside. Go sort it out with the person. Get to God first, then go sort it out with the person. You've got to do it right. You've got to do it right. Otherwise, if you stand and listen to someone downloading, they'll download into you and pretty soon you'll be feeling very angry. You ever been on the phone sometimes, someone rang you, and they started to go off about someone, and when you got off the phone, you were angry at the person too. You have picked up their offense, because people minister the word and a spirit with it. So when people tell you something, they'll tell you with a hidden spirit or attitude. If it's not love, you'll pick it up. Okay then, so, and of course the Bible tells very clearly that when people sow discord, when we talk uh, and and backstab and shoot at one another, this 
is an abomination to God. He hates it. And so the same people, we can stand up here saying, God, I love you, and be then down the road doing things which are absolute abomination to God. Now we say, well, you know, homosexuality is an abomination to God. Yeah, sowing discord is too. Come on, we don't categorize them like this, you know. You got some, those are the real bad ones. We don't do the real bad ones now. We're far more sophisticated. We're Christians. We cover it all up. We just stab in the back. Oh, there's another one. And we stab people. See? Now listen, God considers that an abomination. He hates it. He hates people doing that. And you've got to realize, if you want your life to walk in the blessing of God, you have to honor this foundational principle when you stand before God praying. If you have ought against any, forgive, or your Father in heaven will not forgive you. And that will leave you exposed to demonic powers. We'll just look at that in a moment, and I'll give you some of the things that happens as a a consequence of that. Let's go to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, I guess most people here would know the parable and the story, and of course the whole story of it, and it's centered around actually having power in heaven. It's talking, and most people just look at, oh, this is the chapter on offenses. How many know that Matthew 18 is the chapter on offenses? Yeah, most people know that. Okay, been around church for a while, you'd know that. How many know that the core part of that is the real reason why you need to deal with offenses? He tells us how to deal with them, but we need to understand, well, why do I need to deal with it? Why is this such a big deal? Why is it such a big deal that there's almost a whole chapter devoted to it? Why? I like to ask those questions. Why? Here it is. It's found very simply. It says this. It says in verse uh, um, uh, 18 and 19, Now I tell you, whatsoever shall bind on earth shall be bound in the heavens. Whatsoever shall loose on the earth shall be loosed in the heavens. Again, I say, if two of you shall agree on anything... Uh, as touching anything they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered or united or in symphony one with another, there I am in the midst. So this is the core part of this whole teaching where he says it's clearly the plan of God that the church be able to move things in the realm of the Spirit, that the church be able to bring the power of God into the earth. And to do that, there must be a unity, a flow of unity. So he says, when the church unites, and there's none of this nitpicky, but there's a symphony, everyone in harmony with one another, there's tremendous power to alter the spiritual atmosphere and bring the presence of God and miracles into the earth. That's why this is such an important issue. This is why it's such an important. We tend to think of our Christian life as being a walk alone with God, but God looks at it as community, as his family. If it's just about you, then it doesn't matter who you get offended with. But if it's about community, then offenses are really important to deal with because the presence of offenses strip the church of unity necessary for the flow of power from heaven into the community. And there are people who commit suicide and who are going to hell and who are dying in our community because the church doesn't take seriously the need to unite in a common mission and purpose. We harbor offenses. What a luxury, but it steals from the city, it steals from the plan of God. Okay, I want you to show you. So Jesus begins to, uh, Peter says, well, you know, how often should I forgive him? I know I've got to forgive him. So even he recognized you needed to forgive. He said, but listen, what's reasonable? Seven times? Reckon that's a pretty generous man, Rod, wouldn't you think? I forgave Rod seven times. Flip, I think I'm doing pretty well, wouldn't you? Most people wouldn't forgive him once, but I've forgiven him seven times. 
Was that Julie, was it? Something? I've forgiven him seven times, you know. See? Big deal. So, so Jesus said, let me tell you a story. He told him a story. And I want, I'll just tell you the story rather than going to read all of it. He said there's a king, a certain king. He's talking about God in heaven. And the king had some servants. And one of the servants owed him thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars. And he said the man couldn't pay it back. And the time came when the king called him in and said, Hey, listen, you've got to give account. Pay what you owe. And it was, it was megabucks. Heaven got money. That's just the money. And you all know what that's like. And say, and so the creditors come. So they come. So they, and the Bible says that the borrower is servant to the lender. So he's in big trouble now. And so he's consigned to go to prison because he cannot pay the debt. But he pleads. And the, and the Bible says, the Lord was moved with compassion. Now, here's love operating. Love is higher than the law. The law says this. He owes the money. He didn't pay. He deserves jail. And so that's what's been passed on him. But when he pleads, he accesses a higher level of truth. And that is that mercy rejoices over judgment. That love covers a multitude of sins so now he accesses something greater and the master feels compassion for him and looses him of all of the debt now unforgiveness is a debt that has to be paid we believe someone has offended us therefore they must repay us they must say they're sorry you gotta say you're sorry so we go through all our life demanding you gotta say you're sorry like some little sport kid. You know, there's little kids and they're growing up, but he didn't say sorry. You have this huge conflict over the kid not saying sorry. Eh? So it's a demand that someone does something to put the matter right. In other words, you've got to do something. You owe me something. You've hurt me. You owe me. Now, the offense is very real and the issue is very real, but forgiveness is a releasing of the demand for repayment. And so the master shifted from the law, right and wrong, Judgment for breaking the law comes to another level, says, okay, because of the law of grace, I'm going to release you. Now, this is very clearly a picture for us of our lives tremendously indebted to Jesus Christ. Every time we sin and we sin daily against him and offend him in many ways. But as we come to him, he graciously forgives us our offense, which is many. So then the man goes out and he's very happy. I talked my way out of that one. And he comes down the road and says, Rod, you owe me 10 bucks. And now notice this. He not only owed him 10 bucks. Now that's true, he owed him 10 bucks. But the man's attitude was really bad. He grabbed him around the throat. You see, he'd never in his encountering the master's love and kindness understood the master expected that this was what he would pass on to others. And so he seizes them. Pay what you owe. And the guy says exactly the same thing as he said. Oh, I just, I just, please. Oh. And he operates out of the law and sends him off to prison. And the rest of the servants were upset by what he'd done and very upset at what had happened to the servant. And so they came to the master. Now let's just read the last few verses, 34 to 36 where Jesus applies this. And Jesus said, uh, 
verse 32, after that, he called the other servant. He said, oh, you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you desired me. Shouldn't you have shown compassion on your fellow servant in the same way I had compassion on you? And his Lord was very angry and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due to him. So notice here the expectation. I forgave you just because you asked, should you not have shown compassion on your fellow servant? Now, it's dealing particularly with servants here. And the Lord was angry and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due. Notice what happened now. Now he's worse off than he was before. Before, he was going to go to jail. Now he's going to jail and torturers. And, of course, in those Asian times, they knew how to torture. You know, they tie you up. They're there, the fingernails first. I don't want to even think about it. Have a look at the Discovery Channel and you start to see. They show you what they did. It's horrendous. Torture. It means a lot of pain. Extracting pain. So they did that. And it's very common. It's very common in some parts of the world even now. Oh, glory to God. Okay, now I want you to show you the unexpected consequences. I want you to see and understand the unexpected consequences of not forgiving. Now, I'm, I'm sure that many Christians here never, never, never expect that this will happen to them. But Jesus said, see, so will my heavenly Father do to you. Now, who's he addressing now? He's addressing disciples. See, now the same way this king dealt, I'm going to deal, my Father will deal with you the same way. You've got to get that real quick because we think God's all nice and oh, what do you want? Mine's only a little thing. And anyway, there was such a. We just don't realize God expects us, if we've received mercy, to flow in mercy, not in judgment. And so what happens is this He says, So will my heavenly Father do to you. I want to just quickly share with you the consequences for us. Number one, we are rebuked by the Lord. Notice what it said. The master came and called him and said, you wicked servant. Now, of course, we think of wicked. Well, I went out, committed murder, went out and, you know, beat someone up, got drunk, did this, did that. And he said, no, that word wicked there means you are a person who has an evil, hurtful, destructive, negative influence. Can you imagine God saying that to one of his people? You are wicked servant. Now, twice, at least I can think of right now, The Bible tells us God speaks to some of his people and says, you're a wicked servant. One is this situation here, and the other is in the case of the servant who is not productive, who just buried his talent in Matthew 25. Wicked, that word wicked means, doesn't mean you've got evil, lots of sin in your life. What it means is this, is you have a destructive, negative, hurtful influence. You are totally opposed to the spirit of what I'm trying to build. Think about that. So number one, God rebukes us. That rebuke can come in a whole lot of different ways. But he definitely rebukes us. When God rebukes you, boy, we're in trouble. But then he doesn't just rebuke us. Oh, that's okay. Well, I'm telling off. Okay, I can handle that. I got a telling off from God. Oh, it gets a bit more than that. See, so here's the second thing that happens. Second thing that happens is the Holy Spirit is grieved. The Lord was very angry. The Holy Spirit is grieved. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4, it says, Grieve not the Spirit of God. And then it talks about harboring unforgiveness and bitterness and bad attitudes to people. Don't grieve the Spirit of God. Now listen, the only way we can live the Christian life is with the help of the Holy Ghost. If we grieve the Holy Ghost, He withdraws. Now we've got a many a problem in our life. All those old things that you were holding back now start to rise up again in your life. There's no power, there's no anointing. You have a form of religion without the power. 
That's what church people get like. They don't ever think they've got like that. That's why we're working on this here, because I believe God is wanting us to deal with these things of offenses so we can increase our level of passion and love for Him, intensity of our love for Him, so we can become more effective in reaching and connecting to the lives of people that He loves. Here's the third thing that happens. Third thing that happens, He says, you notice this, He canceled His forgiveness. How many of you in the last month have asked Jesus to forgive you for something? One or two. Boy. <laughs> it just shows how insensitive we are then. Eh? We've all asked. Now, imagine when you went to God and you were forgiven. Imagine now that God just cancels all that. Do you think you'd know it? I don't think you would. Because if you're sitting on an offense, it's already happened. You can fight. You can recognize it. And I'll tell you how you can recognize it. This is the key thing here. So if your forgiveness is cancelled, I don't believe that's concerning salvation. Salvation is a gift that comes by repentance and by faith in the Lord. But God expects us then to grow in his life and grow in his nature. Here's the next thing he says. He'll be delivered over to the tortures. Now, here's the thing that you've got to understand. Evil spirits now have a legal right in court of law in the heavens to come in and access your life. Now, that is is the thing that will show up in a lot of different ways. Let me show you some of the ways that would show up. See, because people never connect these things. We don't connect together a bad attitude to brother so-and-so with problems I'm having over here down the line. We, we never connect together that my offenses over here are now producing a huge fruit in some other part of my life over here. We don't even think about it until the Holy Ghost shows it. We don't think when we held, a, held attitudes towards a mother and a father because of their, their failures and their, the things they did, and we expect they'd do this, they didn't do this, and they did these other bad things. We don't expect when we walked out with a bad attitude that we're having problems down here because of that. We don't, we don't connect it. That's the dilemma. We don't connect reaping with sowing because there's a difference in time between them. This is what Jesus said. So will you, Heavenly Father, do if you from your hearts do not forgive everyone, his brother, his trespasses. Now, a torturer or tormentor is one who extracts, extracts truth out of someone by hurting them. And he says, now this is what evil spirits do. Basically, in the realm of heaven, the heavens or the spirit world works on the basis of law. So if my sins in my life have come under the blood of Jesus Christ, if I walk in humility before him, then I'm protected from demonic influence. I walk in the shadow of the covenant, I'm the shadow of the Almighty. I walk in a place of protection. I walk also in a place of great authority. But if I decide to harbor offenses, and that seems a great thing to do, the devil tempts me with that bait, and I then begin to get negative attitudes. Now I've come out of that protection. Now demons have legal right to gain access to my life. This is the kinds of things that will happen. Sickness with no healing. Sickness with no healing. You get prayed for and prayed for and prayed for and prayed for and never get healed. You say, ah, you know, God, you can't trust him. But in the realm of heaven, there's a judgment gone out. You've held this offense and bitterness over here. You can't escape what's going to happen over there. Oh, you can't believe the number of people that we have been unable to deliver of demons or get healed of sicknesses because unforgiveness, hidden, bitter roots in their heart. 
It's a major doorway of entry. The second thing is adversity. Adversity, Matthew 14, 24. You have unusual problems come like storms in your life. I have known some people, and it looked like their life was just one storm after another storm after another storm. You know what you know? There's a reason for it. I may not know the reason, but I tell you, there is a reason. If you're under demonic attack all the time, you're doing something great for God, or, and it's just a season of resistance to encourage you to grow in your faith, or you've got some issues unresolved and you need to deal with them. We've really got to get a clean heart before God. So here's the next thing. Uh, you find that you're troubled by uh, people, evil people. Notice uh, that Lot was troubled by evil people. You actually find you have unusual problems with, with negative, destructive people. You find they become hanging around. You seem to end up connected with them. You seem your life seems to have got all these people in your life that are just quite negative and difficult. Uh, another area is a mental and emotional torment. Mental and emotional torment. I'd say probably most of the people in the psych unit have got unforgiveness and bitterness in their lives. Probably got other things as well, but at least that's one of the things you'd be sure they'll have. See, demons can come in and torment you. And they just, they've got every legal right to and you pray and ask God to help you and nothing seems to happen, it's because we, in the heavens, there's a whole realm of our sin unforgiven because we haven't dealt with the offenses and we need to let the Holy Spirit show us so we can be free of that stuff. Finally, there's spiritual deterioration. Our heart just grows slowly colder and colder and colder and possibly premature death. Possibly premature death. Sometimes people's lives are shortened because they've got such bad attitudes. And they die because of sickness, or they die because of accident, or they die because of demonic attack on them, all kinds of reasons, but it was premature. And the Bible tells us very clearly, when we have communion, we're to examine our heart, discerning the body of Jesus Christ, his people, and eating and not drinking judgment onto ourselves. He said many have done that and have brought judgment on themselves. Some are sick, and some have died before their time. So there's a whole lot of unexpected consequences of harboring an offense. And we think, only a little thing, not like I did some big thing. Oh, but that little thing causes all so many problems in our lives. Why don't we just close our eyes and bow our heads right now? God is speaking to us about having a heart that's passionate with love for Him and passionate with love for people. If we want to walk in the blessing of God, we cannot afford to harbor any bitterness, any unforgiveness. Just while our eyes are closed and heads about, I wonder, is there any person here today and you don't know Jesus Christ yet? You've never given your life to Jesus Christ personally, never become a Christian. You may have gone to church, may, may have never gone to church, but going to church doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is when you give your life to Jesus Christ and trust Him that His work at Calvary was entirely enough to forgive and cleanse you. The Bible says to everyone who received Him, He gave power to be a child of God. Is that you today? If you've never received Jesus Christ, you're not yet a Christian, and you say, today's my day, I want to become a Christian, I want to give my life to Jesus, please raise your hand right now, just so I can see. Just while our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed. Is there anyone here today, never given your life to Jesus, and you've come here today needing Jesus? You need to give your life to Jesus Christ. You need to give your life to Him today. You just raise your hand and say, that's me. I need to give my life to the Lord. anyone today I wonder them as I've talked and shared in two areas perhaps I shared when I shared the area of some of the signs of an offense 
as you were honest with God, you felt God speak to you and say, actually, you are holding something there. There's a lack of love flowing out. You just see that person as such an irritant to you, but they're God's very instrument to make you a more loving person. You're just so offended and so uptight. And God's saying, can't you see? I've allowed this to happen because offenses must come. This is your great stepping stone to growing in grace and love. Won't you take that opportunity? Won't you let go of that offense? Won't you commit instead to loving that person? Won't you commit instead to letting God change your heart so you can love people in a greater way? Don't you understand that he that's forgiven much loves very much? Passionate love. If you felt someone in your heart today and you know God's speaking to you about dealing with that offense, there may be some of you today and the, the, the offense and the hurt is very, very deep. I don't expect you to get over it in a day. But at least you're saying I'm committed to work on it. Next week we'll show you how you can get right out of an offended state and into a place of, of life and freedom. But today I just want, to, I want you to acknowledge before God. Say, God, I feel you speaking to me. There's people that my heart is shut up against. I am offended. Perhaps it's a husband, a wife, a parent, a child, a brother, sister. Perhaps it's someone in the church, someone in your work, someone in your neighborhood. And you avoid them. You're closed up. You're cool. You, 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 you run them down behind their back. You do all these kinds of things. And all the time pretending you're just a lovely Christian person. Come on. Why don't you just raise your hand and say, God, I, I want your help. I want your grace. I'm, I'm beginning to realize, Lord, I got two laws, one for me and one for everyone else. I like your grace for me, but I'm hard on everyone else. And today, Lord, I want to change. I want to operate in the law of love and give people what they don't deserve because you gave me what I didn't deserve. Is that you today? Quickly raise your hand and say, God, you're speaking to me. You're speaking to me. You're speaking to me. Just begin to think about your family members. Perhaps former leaders, former authority figures like a boss, someone at school, a teacher at school. A person who's offended, their heart is closed up. And there are contentions in their relationship. Very easy to see. Say, God, help me. Jesus, you have forgiven me much. Let me never take it for granted. But let the same spirit of grace that came into my life, that forgave me, let it flow out of me. Teach me how to love. Teach me how to share your grace with others. Teach me, Lord, how to reflect your life to people. Not to be judgmental and critical and fault-finding, negative. Teach me to be an encourager. Teach me to be one who appreciates people, who blesses people, expresses gratitude. Teach me to be one who can honor and value people. Teach me to be one, Lord, who can love people who are unlovely and not harbor offenses. Teach me, Lord, how to love my spouse, how to love my parents. Teach me how to love my children, especially the ones that are so difficult. Teach me how to open my heart to your love and then release it to those around me. Lord, that's my prayer. That's my prayer today. Just while there's an atmosphere of the presence of God here, we're just going to finish the service a little differently today. I'd love you just to pray for someone next to you. 
pray for God's grace and for an increasing revelation of his love grace will be in their lives you figure out how to pray God's wanting us to come together if you find you can't just go past those feelings say God thank you you're going to help me you want me to pray for them don't know what to pray and how to pray but Holy Ghost you're going to help me I'm just going to be willing to step out only reach out to someone next to you just while the musicians play quietly we'll finish the service now tonight encourage you to come along again tonight six o'clock tonight's meeting would you take someone home for lunch think through just who you could have and bless them come on just pray for the person next to you they're a believer they're here because they want to be why don't you pray for God's goodness to touch their life they may be facing a tremendous problem, pressure. Come on, you just pray for them. Bless them. Thank you, Lord. passes all understanding. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Let's have a fantastic day today. Thank you.